0: There's an irony in all of this, I think. It's like you've got into the social media vortex, right? This rabbit hole of of, web. And yet it's there for us to stay connected. And yet when you go on social media, it's often the one thing that makes us feel less connected. Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and of course, personal development.
1: Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier and healthier life.
0: So if you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Past podcast is going to be for you.
1: We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together
0: on the Mindful Past podcast.
1: Harry. How you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, nice to see you too, Nick. Um I'm I'm doing okay, although um what I would say is um it was it was I had an interesting morning. I've had an interesting week if I if I'll be honest. And the way I, the reason it was interesting is because it wasn't interesting. Um I had a lot of time off this last week and I, I kind of wanted to go away. And I'd been I'm in an R in about where to go and what to do and in the end long story short I didn't do anything but there was this event I I couldn't actually make it because I'm working tomorrow and it goes on till tomorrow and I've always wanted to go to Colombia and there's this event in in Colombia at the moment that's happening which um, is one of those mind value type events that I've been to in the past this one is a a four-day event not a not a three-week event anyway I've I've kind of made my uh, my peace with the fact I wasn't going because it is quite pricey as well when you when you consider all the the costs involved. Yeah. Anyway, so I decided I'm not going to go. And I've I've been quite good on social media for a number of years. In that I don't tend to look at social media very much. I have, like I've said before, I think uh, blockers in place and everything, so I don't actually get anything. This this morning I decided to go. I go onto Facebook and I just check my um, notifications. Just the super news tagged me and and I released one of our podcasts as a video or, or the other day. Then I just saw um like a little notification and it said like someone who I don't know has posted in a group that I'm in the group with and this particular group called A-Fest. And so I thought I'll click on that video and I clicked on the video and they were like there's a video of, oh, you know, party by the beach as it's supposed to be or pool party or something. And I started watching the video thinking I probably shouldn't watch this video because I'm just going to feel like I'm missing out on, on the experience. FOMO, fear of missing out and i wanted to cover a little bit of that today um but as i was watching the video then suddenly like this person jumped into my my vision and i thought this looks really like like a really good friend of mine so a friend that i made uh back in 2019 at one of these mind Valley events and we became like sort of almost like brothers from another mother sort of thing and <laughs> they had a baby and and all this and the other and he hasn't come to events recently because of that and it just suddenly made me feel like i really should have I should have gone, right? Because there's like one of my best mates is there, another best mate of mine from that 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 area is is over there and it, and I had this real feeling of like not dread but just like making I've made the wrong decision and and it led me down this this like this thought process and not a good one. Um but I wanted to talk about it because I really wanted to talk about this idea of comparison. Um because we're always or at least I, I can only speak for myself, Um, I find that when I'm on things like social media, I'm inevitably comparing what's happening with me in my life right now with whatever it is I'm seeing on there. And invariably, a lot of time, it doesn't lead to positive outcomes for me personally, because... Um, like we probably know rationally, people are putting their best selves on social media all the time. Yeah, sure, they're only posting when they're on holiday or they're doing something fun. And you
0: very seeing... rarely do we do we post our worst sides, right? Of the really no. down times, the vulnerable times, the scary times. But you know, we touched about on some of this stuff in our first episode, which was very much focused around comparison being the stealer of joy. Mm. And I think that last word's quite interesting. Um, only because you you mentioned FOMO. And my wife talks a lot about Jomo. Are you you're familiar with Jomo?
1: Yeah, the joy of missing
0: out. Joy of missing out. So there is an opposite to everything, right? And there's the yin and the yes. yang. And um, you know, I'm 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 barely on social. I know you're on social. You're on social even less than I am. But I wonder. and There's a question for you. I know. So I've kind of cut, cut in a little bit here, but just because of the joy and the comparison thing, I think the two things kind of kind of worked out. But interestingly, in our last episode, for those that tuned in, we talked a lot about your beat model, and well, two episodes ago, but also how part of your within the beat model for you, one of the things that's often lacking is that social connection. Yeah, because you are from the home. So I wonder if, if it's not just the, the fear of missing out because you've seen this beach space party that looks great, some old friends, but as a question for you, just listening to what you've just said, are you currently in a part of your uh, a moment in your life where maybe you are a bit low on social connection? Is that playing a part in, in how oh, you're feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, for me, and, and I think this weekend, as well, it's like the coronation weekend. And actually, to be honest, I, I didn't watch you on TV. I know that you did something, and you had this big um big spread for the four of you and, and everything else. I I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did nothing, and you know, I went to the gym like e- e- each day for a bit and uh did some stuff up here, but I I just felt like I definitely feeling that, right? And I and and the more I see other people connect, like what I find is that. When I'm with people, for example, I use as a crutch like like TV and movies, right? You know that I watch lots of movies because I'm always yeah, referencing yes. movies. But when I'm with people, I don't I don't feel the need for that because I've got that connection through another means, right? Um and yesterday, actually, I, I ended up making I think like six or seven phone calls. Uh, no one that I reached was available uh, to speak when I went for like an evening walk. And um, I'm definitely feeling that, right? Because I, I, like I said, the, of, of my beat model, um, the, the area that I fall down the most on is probably uh, two areas, probably connection and then being quite enough in nature. Um, they're the two areas that I'd uh, fall down uh, enough on, but probably connection more than ever. And so obviously these events that were going on in Colombia at the moment, they're big connection pieces. Now, I'm not it's not all bad. I've booked to go away for three weeks in Estonia for their event There, so I'll be away for the whole doing that, and that's kind of keeping me going. But I guess partly, uh, you know, I haven't been away since probably October time. Uh, You know, the the winters always get me down. All of this sort of stuff.
0: You know what's Uh, interesting though, just from what you mentioned, I'm just listening to what you mentioned. You you made six calls, no one answered. And look, this is just more of an observation than a than a question, really. Isn't it a bit of a a damning indictment of where we are at the moment, right? So. It used to be that scene where we connect. You'd walk out to your phone box, right, and you put your, you know, show my age. You put your money, and you'd make a call. And like phones were kind of a, a privileged thing to have. Then we kind of went through the mobile phone revolution. Everyone's on the phone all the time. The irony is, we all, everyone has a mobile phone, and no one ever answers anymore because we only yeah. now communicate through the written word, through text or through social. And it's not even in full hand. Like I got a message from my doors that's like IDK. I like, What's IDK? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's like working out oh, like, I do like a secret secret languages. I'm working out. What on earth does that mean? I'm working through it, and it's like there's also that they, they take. I'm, I'm using my daughters' example, but youngsters now like they, they they take the passion or the energy out of the messages. Often it's just so yeah. shorthand. It's like I oh, like a lifelong passion message. and I just get okay at the
1: end or yeah. IDK. It, what I, <laughs>
0: that's I, I, the IDK. conversation, but that is a conversation in their
1: world. It's crazy, I, and I hate that. I mean, I was watching. Uh they have a tendency on movies these days when people are texting to like put the text up on the screen. Yeah. yeah. And I think there were adults texting in this movie, but they was doing shorthand, like C for C instead of S E E and U for you. Yeah. yeah. I, and all of this. And I'm just like, I don't know. Cool. I, I feel like I'm getting more and more old and old fashioned because I'm thinking the language has disappeared, right? Even my nieces who sometimes message me on iMessage, they've just figured out things. And my 10 year old niece, has got her own mobile phone now, which I, I don't approve of anyway, which she knows I don't approve of. Um, but I saw, we were, we were at a thing for the coronation. on. So I actually, I did hang out with my nieces on, on Saturday and we went to this pub with my mum and uh, they bumped into a few, few friends randomly that they knew there. But she now has got this phone and it's the first time I've seen her with this phone. And she's in this pub and there's all these other things going on and her and her friend are just on this phone, like looking at this phone. Now, this is how they are, connecting or communicating with each other. But I I guess I've I've said it before. I I feel like I'm becoming more and more Luddite as I, as I age. And and part of that is, you know, going back to this, um, looking at social media stuff and seeing the best self, uh, someone's best self versus your not so good day is that it ultimately doesn't usually make me feel good. I don't, I don't usually come away from social media feeling uh, enlivened or anything. Now, I'm going to that, not necessarily for connection. I just get distracted because, like I said, most of the things I, I barely go on to these days. Um, so I'm just going on just to kind of check notifications or messages or if I posted something to see if I need to reply. But I can get caught up like I did today a little bit by, you know, just checking something out. And then suddenly I went, I thought, oh, you know, I wonder what so and doing. So I went onto their profile to look at their profile stuff because I wouldn't have seen anything they've done in the last few years. And it just made me feel... Like, I think, have I done enough with what I'm doing?
0: But there's an irony in all of this, I think. It's like you've gone into the social media vortex, right? This rabbit hole of on the web. And yet it's there to make us, to, for us to stay connected. And yet when you go on social media, it's often the one thing that makes us feel less connected. Mm. And there's, there's an irony in there, some of you, like in your example then, same for me. Maybe it's because we don't use it as much as others that live on live on social platforms, but if I go onto Facebook now, you suddenly see how everyone else is connected. Because I'm not on it all the time, I just feel disconnected as a result. I'll put the odd thing out. So you saw the post this week where my wife and my daughter put on like the biggest spread you've ever seen for the King's Coronation. But there's only four in our family. Like they're still getting through it. It was very impressive. Lots of effort went in. It's great. I put that out there. It was, it was a bit of a, a, a fun and and my way of saying like public um, affirmation of the work they've done, really, for my wife and my daughter put a lot of effort in. But actually, when you go on then you see all the other posts and the parties and things people are having, it makes you feel less connected. It's like that's the complete opposite of what it's actually trying to achieve. And half of that is because everyone is trying to show their best selves, showing they're having the best party, having the best time. They don't show that that, that other side of it. And just picking up on your talking about um, what we were talking about, the text messages and the messages, what, what I found really interesting, and we've done a lot of talking, and I'm sure we'll continue to, about the power of thought and how that can change our feelings and how we feel about certain situations even if I'm getting a message from my daughter that just says, okay, right? When it comes to limiting our level of conversation or communication through the power of just written word, whether it's an email, which is even that's our hat these days, or what of us I am, you know, it's an instant message, it's Instagram, whatever. The recipient can't read the tone. We can only assume the tone. So if I go back to Kevin and Perry Go Large, for those that remember that movie, which by the way, don't put it on for your teenage daughter thinking it's a really good idea. Because I, I did that recently, i completely forgot. Uh, graphic shall we say that movie is as hilarious as it was when i grew up uh it's definitely dated and probably isn't appropriate for children anymore but in this instance like the word okay could be like okay or it could be okay or it could be okay you know there's so many different tones and how you read it is very much dependent on the mood that you're in so i'm really it, it's just an okay i've written this you know six page text message or six, you know long message and i've just got that back in in return is that okay dad or is it okay or is it oh, okay you know i and depending on the mood I'm in is how I read that. And that can actually then, you've read that single message, then your mind starts playing tricks on you. It starts going, oh, does that mean they're in a bad mood? Have I annoyed them? Or are oh, they really happy? <laughs> you start making stories up in our heads, all based on two letters, okay, right? Because it hasn't been said, it's no longer a phone call. There's no longer that, that understanding. We make our own assumptions on what that tone is, depending often on the mood we're in when we read it. And I think that's the same when you go on to social. So someone's saying, I'm having a great time. We read it, I'm having a great time. It could be a really, I don't know, really really English, right? Sarcastic. I'm having a, we just don't know. Yeah. Because we're reading it. It's funny how when we read things, very much the message that we get from it is based on how we're feeling in that moment or the thoughts that are outside of our our zone of consciousness at that moment in time in terms of reading the message and it plays into how how we're receiving it. And our feelings based on that message are dictated by things that are happening outside. I just think that's interesting. I I was had this conversation with myself literally when I just got this two letter answer in a recent message from my daughter, going, "Actually, why am I? I'm putting way too much thought into a simple okay, right? That's just how they communicate now."
1: Uh, There's a phrase um, that I remember from that just jumped into my head from NLP that I remember hearing, which was, "If you spot it, you've got it." So if you spot it in someone else, it's usually reflecting back to you something. That is showing up in you, and maybe that's the same there, where you're reading into whatever the message is, what what is going on for you, rather than what is going on for that other person. Hundred
0: percent, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm probably more articulately put than the way I just did,
1: right? But yeah, for sure. The other thing I think um, I'm going to have to send you a link to this. Have you have you um, have you seen the YouTube clip of of Osho? Have you heard of a guy called Osho? The Osho I don't know too much about him, although I've got one of his books here. Um, but he's like an Indian spiritual leader kind of dude spoof it's, or genuine no genuine but he um he's talking about the words can I say it? I don't know if we can, we can yeah we'll just have it. to click tick the box that says uh you know yeah. the he's like know. he says uh the word fuck, right fuck can be said in so many different words it could be like for affection I fucking love you right or it could be you've messed up fuck it or it could be um uh I don't know surprise fuck you know do do the
0: dirty part go on harry do that do that one let's hear it (laughs) in a dirty
1: way go on i don't know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stretch my but basically he goes on for about 15 minutes and does all the different variations i will send it all the different parts it's hilarious but it goes to the point that it you know that the tone is lost when you when you do emails or communication and we've all had this experience we've sent a job
0: you can't read tone you can't read
1: it um so we are getting that. And I I think that's a problem. And we and we we the thing is, we create the stories in our head about the situation that we're seeing online or whatever. And I'm creating a story in my head at, at that time. And this goes to what I was also going to talk about, which is uh, how I get myself a little bit out of those moods and how um, it's probably one of the most fundamental things I teach to people, which has changed my life. And it's how to manage your mood or your state in any given moment in time and understanding that there are only three things that go into that. Um, and it's not my originally, I, I, I butchered it from Tony Robbins who stole it from someone else and who stole it from someone else. Um, but three things that go in into how you feel. So any moment that like you feel happy, you feel sad, you feel depressed, you feel jealous, you feel whatever. There's only three things that determine that in any given moment in time. And the first thing and they all begin with the letter a in my model because i like to keep it simple is attention so that is what you put your focus or your attention on so this morning for example i'd put my focus or my attention on the fact on on, on facebook right and on this post and and that made me feel a certain way now had i put my attention on something else that morning like i know reading a nice passage of a book or you know making a nice phone call or Reading uh, an old email from someone that praised me, I would feel differently. But because my focus, my attention was on that, that created a feeling inside of me. The second of those three A's that ties into the first one quite a lot is the word assign. So, what meaning or language you assign to what you paid attention to. So, for example, the meaning I assigned to that was that I've made the wrong decision. Everyone's out there having fun. They're all connecting. I've been here alone by myself for the whole week um you know and so i and, and you know I, I i should be out there i you know i should have more disposable income to be able to kind of go and spend thousands on this week-long trip to Colombia and everything else so that's the meaning i assign to it um now the third a which also plays into it is action so that's the, the the physical actions of your body will determine how you feel at any given moment in time so um for example you might have had the experience where you're at a party and i know we talked about dancing the other the other week but you're at a party and you're having a rubbish time and you know the person you want to see there isn't there and and so that you focus on that or you put your attention on the fact that the person isn't there that you want to see it means or the meaning you assign is it's a rubbish party and a waste of your time but then your best mate or your daughter or whoever gets you up to dance suddenly you're dancing you're moving your body slightly differently and your mindset shifts. And then you put attention to the fact that, yeah, you get to spend quality time with your daughter. And it means you're having a good father-son, a uh, father-daughter bonding time. So for me, those three things, when I'm feeling a certain way, I think, right, what am I paying attention to? What is the language or the meaning that I'm assigning to that? And how am I in my body? Right. So at that time I was slumped in my chair or my desk watching. So I ended up just getting up, moving, and I decided to go to the gym and do a class. Um, so that I would have to be thinking about the instructions from the instructor rather than doing the thing. And actually, it did make me feel much better, right? And I put much peace to it. But I remember, for me, this is the most important lesson that I think I've learned in the last 12 years is those three things. Because whenever I'm feeling a certain way, like, if, for example, you, you work in recruitment, and this would be a great example for people going in for interviews. Let's say you're going to your interview, and you've had 12 interviews that week. And you focus and you put your attention on the fact you've had 12 interviews. And then the meaning that you assign to that is that 12 people have rejected you and don't want to give you a job and you're useless and you can't get a job and you're too old or whatever. And then, you know, you're sat there just waiting to go in. You're going to feel not very confident going into your interview. Whereas you can pay attention to the same thing, the 12 interviews. So you focus on the fact you've had 12 interviews and you decide a different meaning and you decide, okay, it means that I've had 12 lots of practice i getting really good at this. By the time the right job comes along, I'm going to be perfect at these interviews. You know, and you get up and you go in there and you're going to be totally different. And this helps you turn up any which way you want when you understand Yeah,
0: I d- think, um, so you talk about the three A's. Um, and yeah, you're a great example of the 12 interviews because you also, well, actually, that means I've got a great CV, 12 people want to see me and so on. But this all links back to three things that um, I would, well, First, there's a quote, and I think I mentioned it before, but I love it, so I'll say it again. I don't know who it, who it was initially that said it, but it says, "Those who look outward, dream, and that's not a bad thing. But those who look inward, awaken," which I think is way more powerful. And everything you're talking about there is looking inward. is how we change our thoughts, how we challenge our thinking to improve the way that we feel about something, which links very closely to the Sydney Bank's three principles, which isn't a million miles away from the three A's. So, Sydney Bank's is about mind being one of those one of those A's, consciousness. And thought. So mind is the source of all thoughts and experience. That's what obviously this podcast is a lot about, and the different mind patterns we have. Consciousness is our the awareness of the world around us, um, which allows us to experience those thoughts and feelings. And obviously, thought itself, which is the thing that creates our reality, which is what you were talking about changing then in that 12 interview example. You know, if we change the way that we think about a situation, then we can change how we feel about it, and we can change those feelings by the power of our thoughts. So taken together our experience then isn't determined by our external circumstances, although we often feel like it is, but actually by the quality of our thinking. And if we can get control of our thinking, we have a greater control of our lives. In that instance, with the interviews, we get in control of what that process is from a positive mindset, then actually we can gain a much greater control over the actions using your ways that we take next to take advantage of that situation. I think as really quite powerful because then you that can help you find peace and sensibility in all the things
1: yeah i mean it definitely does i mean because i remember you know um if i want to feel terrible about myself all i have to do is go online and look up i know ex-girlfriends or look up uh people i went to school with who are multi-millionaires right now yeah. and i can feel lousy right and this is a big reason why i've, uh, I've got away from social media um is because i feel like ultimately for me it was a net negative i mean i'm still on it and i still go on to it now and then but i don't i don't tend to really delve into it very much i tend to post and ghost as it were and i know that for me it's going to be a problem if i and i guess it again it goes back to if you spot it you've got it when i'm in a place in my life where i feel like there's nothing more i could do i'm nothing more i could achieve and i'm i'm in the sweet spot of everything then seeing other people i'm probably you know, it's fine, whatever. It's not going to make much difference. Um, but when I'm not, I feel like um, that is not a positive for me. And, and I think that with the comparison thing, because I have a feeling like I don't want people to walk away thinking that comparisons are actually all bad. Like most things in life, nothing's all bad or all good. Because actually, we need to compare, right? For example, you're a business owner, you've got to compare yourself to other people in the market, what the market's doing and so I mean,
0: on. with comparison comes yin and yang, right? So you yeah. have to compare the hard times to understand the good ones and understand the differences. So I agree with you, it's not all bad, but I think, I think it's how, what we're comparing ourselves against sometimes.
1: Well, That's, this is the point, is that the the, the challenge, uh, you know, with social media is that the comparisons in the, in the past used to be pretty finite in that they used to be, you know, the people in your village, the people in your form group or your class or whatever. Now, so, suddenly, your comparison is to, you know, people you've never met, people you've got no idea their history, other side oh. of the world, and everything's... Co-
0: it, I think in the instance you've just said there, it's. I think it gets dangerous when we compare ourselves to things that we cannot control. So anything outside of our control. So if it's the yin and the yang, and you're going through a hard time, you're comparing how you felt then to how you feel now, if you're you know, using the climbing the Everest example, right? That's all positive comparison. Or if you're looking at how you've improved in I don't know, a five K time when you were somewhere, you've trained and you've got better, you're comparing yourself then to now, because they're all within your own control. Yeah. I think when it's within our our sphere of control, I think comparison can be okay if it's a you know, if we're looking for positive change and we're taking actions to get there. I think where it gets very dangerous is when we start comparing ourselves to things that are outside of our control. And uh, this is particularly um, prevalent in, in, in teenagers and in youngsters where they look at things on social media, they compare their own selves to something they see, and they won't always know that, that the intelligence of AI and technology and things that are, are often fake that you see there anyway, or they tell themselves is, I look different, I feel different, I am different, I'm not. Therefore, the comparison then can go into a bit of a negative spiral of thinking, well, I'm not good enough, or "You know, I'm, I could never be that, or, or they take extreme measures to try and become that thing without we're forgetting that what's really important is what's inside not what's outside and that's why i love that quote of what we look outside we dream so that's a good example of when we look outward we dream we look at the people on social media and we aspire sometimes but when we look inside we awaken and that links to the feeling thing because um, i think it was michael neal who said every feeling lives in the shadow of a thought and what i love about that and it links to what you talk about a lot harry which is noticing being curious and noticing and catching our things. So if we're thinking about something, whether you're in that interview scenario that you gave earlier, if we're able to capture how we're feeling in that moment, I feel really bad, I feel like I'm the 12th interview, I'm rubbish, I'm no good. If we're able to capture that, if we're able to awaken and notice how we're thinking, we'll realise that that feeling does live in the shadow of what we were thinking just two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That gives us the opportunity to correct it. And if we, I think it's a really, really powerful quote. I'm sure it's Michael Neal, it may not be, but um, I love his work because he does the inside out theory, which talks a lot about this stuff. If you think of your however you're feeling right now, whoever's listening to this, whatever you're feeling in this exact moment, as I talk to you to Harry on this show, whether you're listening in a car or traveling, whatever you're feeling at the moment will be living in the shadow of what you were thinking about just a moment ago. Right. So if you can change that thinking, you can change how you feel. And so if you and I think it's a good noticing technique, right. that's all. Just it lives in the shadow of a thought. And I, I think I think that could be quite powerful, particularly in the comparison moment here, because comparison when is when we're looking outward not inward comparing inwardly i think is okay in in the right place in the right place but outwardly i think can be quite dangerous particularly if you can't control it
1: this is the i guess the the positive here is that i'm very much more aware of those feelings in the moment than i was 15 years ago and i've yeah. got a large part you know, down heard. to to meditation and uh, mindfulness practices to be honest but you know i i have this thing called the thought cycle which again i don't think is necessarily mine but thoughts lead to feelings uh, lead to actual results and so on and so on. But it's, it's being able to capture yourself in that moment. So going back to those three A's where I was thinking, uh, again, I'd heard a variation of that for like decades. Um, but it didn't really click until one moment when I was, you know, walking down the street and I felt a certain way. And I thought, hang on a second. I I had enough self-awareness to think what is creating that feeling, right? What are the thoughts? What is the language or meaning I'm assigning to those thoughts? What am I physically doing that is ultimately driving that? And I've heard Tony Robbins talk about this for years and years, and it took like five or six years of me hearing him say it over and over before I actually got it, because you can hear it and you can know it intellectually, but you're not going to know it like experientially. And it became so liberating for me. It it still doesn't mean that I don't feel bad like I did today, right? I felt bad, but then I was like, okay, if I want to dwell on this, then I'm going to go through and I'm going to, search for more pictures and blah 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 and all of this right it's not going to help me at all um but something you said before which i i wanted to jump on as well which was uh, a little bit about the you know search outwards you, you dream search inwards, you um awaken you awaken um but you were talking a little bit more about um this control stuff now i know you've interviewed um the late stephen covey's son was it uh,
0: yeah it's right. stephen covey
1: yeah yeah, yeah. it's just Covey.
0: He still he wrote um, Trust and Inspire which sold three million copies. I think
1: mm, great. Another so
0: things
1: One of the things I think I got from Stephen Covey, although I'm not sure if it originally came from him or not. Um, you know, the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And yeah. most of us, like if 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 your if our listeners think of two concentric circles, with the the larger circle being the circle of concern, and the smaller circle inside of it being the circle of uh, control. Um, we tend to worry about the things that tend to be in our circle of concern rather than our circle of, of influence, influence sorry, yeah. In yeah and so like what we might be concerned about might be the economy the weather what people think of us yeah uh, what, you know what's going to happen like it, will it rain on our party at the weekend or whatever whereas what we've got control over is a lot smaller uh, in the first instance, anyway, which might be, OK, we can't control whether other people like us or not. But what, what can we control? Well, we can control whether we smile, whether we shake their hand firmly, whether we respond to their emails, whatever. And the more you focus on what you've got control over, you don't tend to get stressed. And I remember there being one time I was on my way to the airport somewhere and I was starting to get stressed because this. I was in this car. It's probably an Uber car or something like that. And I was running late. for for the flight and i was starting to get stressed with that and i thought to myself okay what do i have control over in this situation so i was like right i go on my phone and i look is there another way right can i get dropped off at a tube station and then take the tube some of the way and get another taxi right and that was kind of out the picture right can i call whoever i need to call to say i may be late or whatever so i did that so i did everything that was in my control and then i just had to let go and say yeah that's that's it because There's no need to worry. If I get there, I get there. If I don't, I don't. But what I've done is everything within my control, which is plan an alternative route, let people know I'm going to be late, come up with a strategy for if I miss the flight and so on and so on. And then I'm done.
0: I mean, if you don't do that though, right, then that's when we start. And I'll tell you something. You've touched upon a point now, which uh, my wife's one of the least favourite things in in me, probably I'll mention that in a minute, because if she listens to this, I'll make her chuckle. Um, But if we don't do what you've just done, if we don't think about it in the way that you've, you've just uh, portrayed then we start to catastrophize so and that's where our thoughts can run away with us so in that particular example you're running late for a flight if you haven't gone through the actions of what's within your sphere of control if you haven't planned that through and realized you're going to make it or you're not you're going to do everything you can to get there and if you don't you don't and you've, you've accepted that because you've accepted the circumstances you're in if you don't accept those circumstances what we tend to do is human nature is we, catastroph- we don't ever look positively oh, i'm gonna i'm not you know we tend to catastrophize and i'm going to miss that meeting which means i'm going to miss that promotion which means i'm going to discipline or i'm going to miss that deal or i'm not going to be late for and then we start going i'm not going to be late for my kids party that means the kids now got going to look at me the same way i'm going to be and we we take this to the nth degree and what happens is we lose control mm. of our thoughts we lose control of that circle of influence and that circle of control that you talked about and actually it's so manageable if we just take a step back and go what is within that sphere of control which you did and and, and manage it accordingly but <laughs> just to bring it back to the, the comedic side a little bit what small smile to my face you mentioned the flight my wife absolutely used before meeting me used to love traveling Well, she still loves traveling we used to love the whole experience like i think we talked about before where you the holiday for you starts the minute you start you know, leave the front door and the experience yeah. of getting to the airplane getting in the airport you're on holiday you're out of your house it's all change slightly different for me and my wife and for others that you know they won't they won't enjoy necessarily getting a flight with me becky Rendell, if she's listening to this will know exactly what what i mean i tend to get called cool to my flight not for a good reason i always think i have more time than i do i, I bath around. I go to the loo at the, mo- the least opportune time, just everyone going through the gate and then I realise there's another passport control and lo and behold, I must be seven, eight, maybe even nine times now with my wife or with others like Becky or like Dassos and others that listen to this show sometimes. I tend to get called. And I'm the last one getting on. I'm the person that gets on the plane. When everyone you get on and you hear the whole plane go, oh, like, yes, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Guilty. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not great at timekeeping anyway. I, haven't, I don't ever miss the flights, but I do let it get A little bit, a little bit
1: tight, shall we say. I've had a couple of experiences. One one actually jumps to my mind. I remember um, years ago, back in 2009, I was heading to uh, Shanghai for New Year's uh, with a a really good friend of mine. And we were flying out on Boxing Day. So we'd had Christmas Day and everything. And I was going from my parents' house, usually a 45-minute drive. And my brother-in-law was going to give me a lift there. And I left it. I just thought, yeah, it'd be 45 minutes. So I left it for 45 minutes before uh, I needed to check in. It's still two hours before. For some reason there was loads and loads of traffic going on. And as we get closer and closer, we're not going any further and further. And I just see the time slipping away. I get to this point where, and this is the only time I've ever had to do this, but it got so late, I'd missed checking, I missed everything. I was going to miss everything. So I ended up, I had this massive suitcase. So I ended up in the back seat of the car, opening up the suitcase, wearing, putting on as many clothes as I could possibly <laughs> put on. And then I borrowed his bag because it was a bit better than mine and stuffed as much in there as possible. And I literally made it with I think I was second from last going on the flight. I had to job for everything. It oh, was
0: probably me behind you, buddy. It just well, Actually, it
1: was, <laughs> it, was <laughs> it, <laughs> an, it was another friend of mine. So we were going with my mate and his family friends, and she came on and she was running really late. And she'd even forgotten to, she didn't have time to even pack her contact lenses or anything. And luckily for her, her contact lens size was the same as mine. So that week we were there, I gave her my contact lenses, which were daily disposables, and I just wore glasses the whole time because she didn't even have glasses on her. And um, it was actually quite therapeutic, like traveling halfway around the world with nothing but hand luggage. And it meant that I went there and I bought like a new suitcase and a bunch of suits. and
0: Yeah, um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff in less is more, right? And getting rid of the stuff we don't oh, need. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, I love that do it, cleansing Cleansing in different ways. Uh, I'll tell you what it did remind me of. Yeah. Um, there's a guy called Aj, which I will know. So I organized these European cycle tours. And there's a guy called AJ who comes with us. And I think it was, pretty sure it was Italy. We went to one of these cycle trips and we obviously pack our relatively expensive bikes and pride and joys that we've specked out and packed away delicately in our bike boxes and we ship them aboard. Were you there when we got to the, the particular airport and all of our bikes came out in their bike boxes and Aj was waiting for his? And about 10 minutes later, we just saw, uh, I think it was saddle came out first and then a wheel came out. They had opened it up. They couldn't get it back in the box. And they just put it out in different parts. He was horrified. like about The, bike. <laughs> Look, the bits his bike pedals came out all going around looking there in bits because they couldn't put it back together. One of the funniest things I've ever seen, the horror on his face, hoping it was all there, obviously for a cycle trip, but we leave the next day, so no time for it not to be there. I'm yeah, just coming with different parts all of us were we're not that supportive shall we say we we're in absolute stitches but no yeah, we
1: aren't. but I mean again in those situations yeah you, you you have to yeah it is about having the, the cognitive awareness to step back and just yeah think right what 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 do I do now right because I've lost control over the fact that my bike is in in one piece it's in several pieces so what am I going to do now right I'm gonna okay I'll wait till everything comes out see what's missing try and find a bike shop blah 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 etc. etc but it's it's really. Hard. It links
0: to the it links to the fight, flight, and fight response. Sometimes, if it's particularly disconcerting, and I, you know we're talking about biking and, and traveling. I remember doing um, Ironman Switzerland back in two thousand twelve, and um, literally the, the night before the race, uh, for those who are into bikes or not, you have something called a dropout. A dropout links to sort of a chain to the to the rear the rear gears mesh essentially, and it's designed to break so that you don't break your rear cassette. So if it gets bashed, that snaps first. Anyway, lo and behold, just before the race, uh, literally, I think I'd had about, it was the night before, it was about 11 o'clock at night, I was getting my bike ready for the falling thing. And I snapped this dropout. And um, I didn't bring a spare. You don't tend to have those kind of, you see what well, you should have. <laughs> I should say, you should have that stuff. I didn't on this field. First Ironman, I wasn't ready. And I went into pure panic mode. Um, you know, I had all these stories going in my mind, all that training, and months and months of training. My parents had come out with me to Switzerland, they're all there. And I didn't have a bike to ride. And before a race, any bike that was available, gone. We were going around the expo, my dad in the morning. Proper panic mode, adrenaline's flushing through the system, trying to trying to, calling all the bike shops, nothing there to take. Everything's been rented. Pure, pure panic. And it's interesting that probably someone like yourself would have been more practical and gone, well, I'll do something else or, you know, I'll work something out. I, I was in, so I know it's in me to panic. I know it's also in me to be, to, to not panic, depending on the scenario. But in, in this particular instance, I was in full 100% panic mode in the end, we found a guy who managed to weld together the the kit that I had that was broken. And he said, I don't know if it'll hold. It literally held to the end of the race. And in transition, it snapped. It literally snapped again as I put my bike back into transition post-ride and started the run. And it went. Like, you couldn't make that stuff up. And it it held for the race. But I remember cycling the entire race. Got a better time than I wanted. But I was just in pure panic the whole time. Is it going to go? Is it going to go? Is it going to go? Sweating as you're cycling. And I was just in pure panic. And if I think back, there are things we can do sometimes, A, to prevent the panic by planning better. Planning prevents piss-poor performance. Now we can use the expertise in this show, right? Which is fair. If I just had a simple, I think like, they're like 99p or 199 to buy these things. A very simple planning mistake for me. I didn't buy one. And all that energy wasted and and, and emotions, not just me, but everyone around me then were on high alert as well. Um and it's just, I don't know where I'm going with it, really, but it's, it's worth being aware that we have a fight, flight, or flight response. And sometimes we only think of fight and flight, and there's a freeze response in there as well. A, there is a third reaction we can sometimes have, or we just don't know what to do, and we just get completely frozen by the moment.
1: I think what jumps to me from that is that, um, is that when when you go into fight, flight, or freeze, and you go into that primal brain of yours, and your cognitive abilities tend to deplete, um, yeah. Yes, you can plan things, but the reality is, and I was talking with my mentee group today about uncertainty and and the fact that we were talking about uncertainty in life. And, and things will be uncertain. Things are always going to be um, unplanned to some degree. So one of the things that definitely helped me, and I go back to this because I think it has been quite life changing, is meditation has helped me find the gap between that stimulus and response. So the stimulus is whatever the thing is that's triggering you. The response is that panic or whatever. Yeah. The gap is because there's time between one and the other. Most people think that they happen simultaneously, right? You stub your foot and then you scream out in pain. In fact, actually, this happened to me literally yesterday. And <laughs> had this happened 15 years ago, I would have had a different response. But I'm sitting there after I have gone for a, I went for a swim in a sauna after the gym yesterday. And you have to go outside too, so you don't put your shoes on where the swimming area is. So I'm out there and I'm just driving my feet and um, I'm looking in my bag at something. And then suddenly I feel this massive and it's a big, it felt like a big thud anyway, on my little toe. And someone had walked past with their wellies on or something and stamped on my foot, it's completely oblivious. My initial reaction in my head, I think I, I went like that. I didn't say anything because I... I, and, and this has happened many times to me before where I've had some sort of knock on the on the foot or whatever and I've noticed the pain or someone spilled hot coffee on me or whatever I've noticed the pain I've registered the feeling and I've delayed it by two or three seconds before I've responded I'm glad I did because I, as I was about to like go off on one it worked out it was like a
0: Use, use one of those fucks in a different way.
1: It was no, it was like a six-year-old, six-year-old kid. Six-year-old kid. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> completely oblivious, right? A like heavy-footed kid, mind you. But I was like, I'm so glad I didn't like yell out, like, what are you doing, right? Because like, she's a little kid. She's oblivious to, to things, right? Um, But had that been 15 years ago, I wouldn't have had that response. I would have been like some other people I know who something happens like that. And they'd like, oh.
0: 10 minutes before the recording, I was walking up the stairs and... um." We've got a, a dog guard up. We've got some dogs in it at the minute. we were looking after for parents' dogs. So we had a dog guard up on the stairs. I was holding a cup of tea. So I had a slightly different reaction to you. But I, There is a moment here of, of which I'll get to. So as I was going up, I went to step over this thing and I didn't make it. I stubbed my toe. And, and anyone knows when you stub your toe, it really hurts, right? Um, can you, I can use the word in the show. It really can hurt. I was holding a cup of tea. so not only did it hurt, I then fell forward along down the stairs and spilled the tea all over them bloody you know over the steps so I, was, oh, so I got really angry i was like just I'm trying to get up for this show ironically for a mindset show but this thing hit me i'm in pain with my foot i've got tea everywhere i'm trying to get ready for this i've just moved 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 spaces so i went out and got a clock i was you know a few uh, expletives were, were, were said my daughter's behind me, my my wife's both uh, up the stairs we we're walking up together I went and got a dishcloth and I immediately cleaned up the tea, right? And I'm still going, you know, fucking dogs, whatever, blaming them, not me, for hitting my toe. Of course, it's not my fault. It's the dog's fault. It's not, but it is in my moment. And I come out and where we go into the kitchen, it's about nine foot between the doorway and the sink. And I've got this dishcloth. I come out and I throw the dishcloth. And I've absolutely aced it into the middle bit. with it. I would say it's about six inches by nine inches space where the dishcloth lives. And I've thrown it. And I've literally aced it straight into that spot, right? And my daughter just goes, "My nice shot, Dad. And I was like, it was pretty good, wasn't it? And instantly I'm out. And it's like, I needed that. Like, I just yeah. needed that little comment. I wasn't expecting to get it in. I threw it in pure frustration, not really looking even where it was going. But straight away, it just took took me completely out of that moment of, of the pain had gone by this point. It was mm-hmm. the frustration spinning everything and cleaning it all up and trying to get ready for this and everything else. But it was like, ah, nice shot, Dad. I, was like, was
1: I Breaking your totally state.
0: broke, totally broke my my chain of thought, totally broke my moment, uh, took me out uh, of it. We had a bit of a giggle, and I was like, "Yeah, fair yeah. enough." Yeah, it was uh, pretty good. Uh,
1: this this might be um, too much information, but talking of breaking states, which is um, a big thing that Tony Robbins talks about when when, when getting people out of their state. But I remember with uh, an ex girlfriend of mine, whenever we used to feel like there was going to be an argument or an escalation of, of, of a situation or something it was going to get too, too much we would break each other's state doing something unusual usually it it, it meant us pulling up or down our clothes and exposing ourselves to the other person because it it was something
0: i'm glad to hear you stop doing that in every argument you have now harry well
1: certainly out in public um but you know in private we did that because it would just be like it would just instantly change your state and you'd be like yeah yeah, yeah. actually does it does it matter to talk about all of this stuff and um And probably it doesn't in the grand scheme of things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess taking it back also to um, what you were talking about social media at the beginning, but you were talking about, um, you said something about...
0: Well, uh, I'll tell you about something I did see on social, which I thought was pretty disconcerting. And actually, were two things I saw on social. I got one on my WhatsApp. One was by WhatsApp, I got. And one was I saw on Facebook. The thing I saw on Facebook was, have you seen the news? Um, The government have just outlawed abortion in the UK and... Has anyone seen this? You're looking at me confused because that clearly hasn't happened. I'm aware this has not happened. But someone, uh, some y- a youngster that was connected to someone I'm connected to on Facebook, had put this post out. What was interesting is how I immediately looked at the comments. Well, that's not right. And everyone, rather than fact-checking it, yeah. had immediately gone, in. This is, this is what's wrong with this country. This is So I think there's a, I mean, this is, isn't going to be news to anybody to know that we need to fact-check what we see. On social it's not limited just to imagery we often think about what we see people and it's often fake or you know we don't know what's behind the smile and interestingly actually i was going to challenge you this brings me somewhere else what's going to go by thinking with your aana thing well actually you know how often we look and how we appear can, can relate to how we feel but actually that's not always true particularly in social there's a lot of smiling and and behind the scenes the individuals creating those poses and those pictures inside they could go, be going through all levels of turmoil trauma which talked about last show big t little t trauma but they hide it for social pictures so even when we're reading a text and it's hard for us to get the tone it's not even possible sometimes for us to get the tone when we see an image because often there's a lot hidden behind the image that people don't want to portray particularly in social vulnerability being one I think we're going to do a show on vulnerability later on but I think that's something that's, that's also worth mentioning I think as you say people want to show their best lives but it can be quite dangerous when you are particularly a youngster looking at social and you're thinking Are their lives amazing. What they don't know is the the level of torment or, or vulnerability or trauma that individuals of everybody, no matter what your budget is, what your social status, everyone will go through some form of trauma. And then you don't really know what they're really feeling. And are they just portraying that smile? Is it a real, genuine, authentic happiness that they are portraying? Or is it not? I think there's sometimes body language doesn't always tell correct story
1: no i mean that's the i guess the point with the aa is it's your internal stuff so it's not the external what people are seeing on you so they may yeah
0: be, oh, yeah, yeah in, yeah internally maybe, you'll know you know yourself right yeah because
1: yeah. you may be putting the smiles on that's one aspect of the three a's but it's any of those three a's will determine your mood or state so you could be smiling on the outside but internally you're thinking oh my god why am i at another event like this, or why
0: do I happen? The other fat thing I've got, I'll read it out. This is, I don't want to take this into a political uh, angle. I'm, this is always about politics. It's just a, a thing I've got on WhatsApp, and my, I'll tell you my response when I came through. It just said, here's a smashing story. That phone alert I'm reading here, which co- that phone alert, which cost the taxpayer 6.5 million, was contracted to Fujitsu. They subcontracted it to a company called Infosys. A woman who owns it, here's her husband, and it's a picture of Vissi Shunak, right? That could be quite damning and damaging, and it may or may not be true. All I wrote back was, has this been fact-checked? Because when you receive something like that, the instant reaction is to assume, because it sounds true, it sounds reasonable, and, oh, that's and obviously the way it's been written is sensationalist anyway. But we immediately then curry favour with the person, with the view of, this is terrible. Now, I don't know. And I'm not here to find out, actually, in this instance. It's just an example of, you know, maybe I, that I one know. is true, maybe it's enough. not. But so much of this stuff circulates, when I mean, we read it a we're reading tone into that for a start but it's it can be so 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 damaging and i think this is another example of where we're looking outward not not well this is inward. The thing. we've got to be got to be really conscious of noticing and fact checking and just being having yeah. that awareness
1: earlier on you were talking about how social media was there for connection we we're talking about connection right at the beginning yeah um, and i wanted to say at the time and it's kind of just come back to me now at the beginning, maybe social media was there as a as a way to connect people. But I, I tell my students all the time, right? If you've got a product that's free, like social media, then you are the product. And people don't realize that, is that they are the product because their eyeballs, their attention, their focus is what's being sold. And so anything that keeps your attention onto their, their platforms, like this article or whatever, um, and I think actually Richard Sunak's wife, does have shares in emphasis, But whether emphasis, are connected with that alert thing... Yeah,
0: not. no, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. To be
1: fair, I didn't get that alert because I turned off my emergency alerts. I don't want to be in inundated Jeez. with stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and this is the thing, is that for me, social media is not social um, anymore. It, I don't know if it ever was.
0: Oh, okay. yeah, nice to put. I haven't heard that. But, yeah, you're right.
1: You know, does it not... Doesn't, it, it, at least for me, I mean, there have been benefits, like everything, right? No matter how thin you slice it, there's always two sides to every story. And and there are benefits to it. There are, there are detriments to it. Um, at the moment, for me, I think personally, it's a net negative, um, especially when I go down a comparison uh, rabbit hole. But I can see that there are benefits as well, right? And I've had benefits from it as well. So I, I guess with everything in the universe, um, there's nuance.
0: We're sharing the podcast on social, right? Because we want to yeah. get eyes and ears on it right and we want people hopefully it, these these shows are creating it's just one insight or one thought process for someone to take away and and it and then they can utilize it in their their lives to, to help them think about something in a different way and prove their thinking or their feeling or their happiness they wonderful so we use it to our advantage where it suits us as well I, um i i totally you know respect I mean, that social is a a good and or a bad thing it's being having the awareness that it's can be both.
1: I think it's always your uh, uh, something else. I wrote down where you were talking a while back, but I think it's relevant here as well. And it's an equa- another equation that I live by. I can't remember if I shared it with you. I think I did. E plus i equals o. I think we shared it. In one yeah, of the yeah, end. I think it was the first episode. I think yeah, I think it was the first one. And I, I keep coming back to. I mean, there's probably maybe a dozen fundamental truths that I over and over and over and over go back to and, and teach. And this is probably one of them. And event plus response equals outcome, not the event equals the outcome. And and it's always our response to the thing that, that makes the difference, not the thing itself. Um, because like we say, we can both be at the same party, have different outcomes because one of us is you know, responding to the fact no one's there that we want to hang out with. The other one is responding to the fact that, yeah, that person's not there, but you get to spend more time with another friend and get to know them. Yeah. And that leads to the outcome. And I think, I guess I was reflecting a bit on that today as well. Is that, okay, I've noticed that i wanted to maybe I, I i regretted let's say not going away but then did i really regret that because you know had i been there that you know I
0: think the yeah. social though one of the things that could be quite dangerous i mean we're talking about the dangers of it here, and i think right why we be do because it has such an impact on mental health such a yeah. and you know, often negative impacts on mental health which become mental illness and negativity negativity i think a lot of that also links to its repetitive nature. So if you jumped onto linked uh, to Facebook right now and and went for your friends, you'd find another party that you're not at. Oh yeah. And if you did it a week later, there'd be another one. You know that. So Overending. it's that constant reinforcement of a negative. If you are thinking negatively about something, whether yeah. that's you know weight, whether that's um, how many friends you've got, whether it's whether I don't know whatever it is, your singing voice. If you're seeing the same thing over and over, and you uh, we talked about echo chambers in the past, you sometimes look. For the negative, not the positive. So we start going, oh, I wonder if I'm also not invited to that one. So you actually go searching for that thing that's gonna make you feel worse. I mean, maybe a bit of a, a, a less serious example, but I'm suffering with arachnophobia. right? Now, me and my wife go to go go abroad where there's spiders that I'm gonna be scared shitless of. She doesn't go to them looking for them. I go looking for the things. It's like I want to be faced with my fear. And about where we go, I'm looking under every pillow, under behind. And oh it's what are you doing. You hate them. I'm like, I know. I need to make sure there are none there. So what I do is, if I had just taken her approach, I would find and see none. Because I take my approach, I find loads of them. And I, I know it's a kind of a random example, but I think the same is true in social. If you're looking, if you're feeling a certain way, and we're talking about this links right back to thoughts and your three A's, absolutely. We talk a lot about thought because it's so prevalent. But if we're thinking a certain way, we tend to use it a certain way. We tend to search for things that reinforce what we think is true. Oh, well, I think that I am this. And to prove that thought, I'm going to go into my little echo chamber of social networking contacts and find the things that prove that to be my version of what is true. Or equally, we could do the other way to, to dispel the theory. But it's like you know, anyone who's listened to this, I would say 95% of some people at the moment have at some point have played Google Doctor right? We get something, we go, oh, I'm going to Google that. We don't look for the positive outcome. We tend to go, I've now got the big C because this is clearly a symptom of this, 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 and this. And then we go into that spiral of looking for other Google things that reinforce those symptoms. And suddenly we've diagnosed ourselves with a crippling illness. We go to the doctors and they go, it's just a rash, it will clear. And you think, ah, thank God for that. And it's not, I'm not saying don't do that. Go to the doctors if you're unsure. Uh-huh. But We tend to look for these things. And I just think, there's a word, which um, is a great word. I think it's, uh, it's confabulation, which is believing the stories we tell ourselves. But there's, it links to sometimes we are our own worst enemies. So we, we, we say, it's not just me that thinks it. How often have you heard people say that? It's not just me that thinks it. Everyone thinks it. No, you're looking, often yeah. you're looking for those thoughts. You're looking for that reinforcement, even though it reinforces a negative thing. If you well, so if
1: you it, you'll find it. But I mean, I don't think it's limited to social media because as you were talking about this, um, I've had this thought for a long time. Um it and I, this is a bigger conversation about um consciousness, the universe, and everything else. But like I feel like what we seek, we we tend to see, right? We t- and what do I mean by that? And you've said in these examples of like social media and everything else, but what jumps into my head um was uh particle physics, believe it or not, right? So I um so I, I studied physics and astrophysics university and a bit of particle physics and, and everything and and there's within particle physics they postulate or they theorize different um uh particles. Now they I think recently I said recently within the last 10 years was it the Higgs boson that made a big splash on the on the front pages of a lot of newspapers uh, that Um, probably the collider at CERN discovered the Higgs boson or the God particle, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I knew years and years ago that they would find it. Whether or not, I. and and actually interestingly with particle physics, they don't actually ever discover the the particle. They discover the the tracks of the particle. So I'll explain what that means in a second. But they found it. And I was like, they're going to find it because what you look for, you tend to find. And you might say, well, that's rubbish. Like they're not going to find every particle they postulate, but they, te- they tend to have done, right? Neutrinos, they de- like they—you know—postulated found all of these things they find. Now, I'm not sure whether they're actually really finding some of these things. For example, like the way, the way they find out the particles is they they see this happens so quickly and they, it's, it's the aftermath they see. And the way I try to use it as an analogy is like going down the street and seeing uh, tar- uh, tire tracks from uh, like a Porsche, uh, Porsche tires that have skidded. You're seeing the tires, Martin, you go, oh, I can discern that's a Porsche and not a Ferrari because of the the way that the skid is and everything else. But you don't know for sure that it was actually a Porsche. It could have been another car with Porsche tires and a similar sure. way that did that thing. And that's how they they discover particles. So I don't, I'm not sometimes convinced on on what we're finding and whether we're just creating what we want to see
0: sometimes yes yeah, see what we want to see right and that's that's a common as you say there's a cliche in things and when you hear a cliche we should listen to it And you, i heard that first from you and it, it's true you know we see what we want to see as a cliche and that, that's a good example of it i think it's also why and it's a, for another another day
1: yeah so course, we what we see is we see what we believe
0: that's why there's such you know argument about whether the existence of, of god and certain religions which is not something i want to talk about today but i think just because people you know all. all spiritual beings or whatever it is people think well because i haven't seen it or there's no proof therefore it doesn't exist there doesn't have to be a binary response to any of those things that's, no. that's the, in my opinion and that's not giving my my religious um views out there as to, as to what i follow, what i believe but i think it's just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not true we're discovering things all the time but often yeah there's, there's a lot of um people like to be skeptic and people like to i don't even know what how it gives them by, by trying to dispel something or someone else's belief just because something hasn't been seen to be true yet. I don't I, For me, it's, it's something like, I mean, it's for another, another day. It's Maybe one of those triggers too. for me where people want to take away someone's energy for no real benefit. And I just, I get really frustrated by Maybe it. Maybe they have
1: a strong desire to be certain about something. So like, I was talking earlier with my mentee group about uh, Tony Robbins's six um, human needs, which you may have come across or not. So there's six human needs as he describes them. And the first two is the value for certainty or security and then the second one on the flip side is uncertainty so we need both uncertainty or surprise or whatever in our life but we also need certainty then the other the other two primary ones are love and connection and then the or love slash connection and then uh significance so then the top two ones are growth and contribution once the base needs met, but maybe these people have a desire to be so certain about something and they've got a strong that's maybe their primary Want in life, or the primary need is certainty. So they need to feel certain that they know that there's nothing out there. There's nothing beyond. The I,
0: I think that I've no issue with with that at all. But I would say just keep that inward. It doesn't have to be.
1: You don't have to impose it on other it's, people. Uh, so sure.
0: There's uh, a really um. I don't, I'm conscious of time for people listening, yeah. but um, I read a couple of names, but Dale Carnegie, and he's quite a religious guy actually. And mm-hmm. I, I introduced his book to my mum, who, who's which one? Cha- actually, it changed our life in quite a significant way. Um, I was trying to find which book it was. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it in a minute. But there's a story in the in the, in the particular book. I mean, you know, I'm bad with names. As far as I can remember his names, I'm terrible with names and celebrities and titles. And yeah, I love so it. Just, but there's a re- a story which, I don't know, I, I just think for people listening, maybe it'll resonate with you, particularly if you've got, I don't know, someone in your life that's, that's like this. But he was at a dinner party and he's very well versed in the Bible uh, and religious. And he's he's quite religious guy anyway. And some of his books go that way. But there was a there was a dinner party taking place. I mean, I'll get this exactly right, but it goes something like this. And there was, someone was talking to someone else at this dinner party, uh, the, uh, the, the person hosting the dinner party, rather, was telling someone else about a particular story that happened in the Bible. And he said, oh, this is what happened. And this is, da-da-da-da-da. and the guy went, that's not, that, that doesn't exist in the Bible. we know, it does, it does. It's really important. And it's, it's important because of this, this, and he was telling a different story and using the, the, the Bible uh, instant as a reference to support something else. He was telling, was, he was telling a group of people, you know, really enjoying regarding regarding his story. And this guy cut in and went, no, nah, that's not right. It's not right. That didn't happen in the Bible. And it didn't actually matter whether it did or didn't in the story, but he was, this individual at dinner party was very clear, said, that didn't happen, you're wrong. And he went, no, it definitely did, it definitely did, no, it doesn't matter, let me get these, no, no, it didn't happen, didn't happen. Anyway, the, the, um, the guy hosting the party telling the story, he said, well, look, ask Dale, Dale will know, he's well-versed in the Bible, he'll know if it's there. And the guy went, yeah, great, because it didn't happen, so Dale, said, tell him, tell him it didn't happen. And Dale said, no, it did, it's in the Bible. They he went, really? Really, yeah, it's in the Bible, it's there. I mean, oh. In that case, I'm, I'm really sorry, and, 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 it, and it continued Later on, Dale goes back to, the the guy comes up to Dale and goes, I checked, it wasn't in the Bible. Why did you say it was? And he said, because it wouldn't have served anybody but you to say that it it didn't. The guy was telling a story, he was using it as a reference point, he was in his element, he was having a really good time. All you would have done by proving that you were right in that instance was give yourself power and take it away from everybody else in the room. It wasn't, it, it didn't matter. So I went against you quite deliberately because in that moment it wasn't about you. I just think that was—I don't know. I don't know. For me, it really resonated. It's like well, there are instances. where particularly uh, for me, I can be quite opinionated. I don't mind saying yeah. that. I've got my views. Where I can jump straight in, I think, shit, why have I just done that? It hasn't helped anybody. I, it's just just a an egotistical shitty thing to do. I'm, I'm much and you talk about noticing, and I don't mind sharing my own weaknesses and, and problems here, right? It's a safe environment to do it. It's one of my biggest things I get get frustrated with myself if I jump in too fast and I go, shit, why have I just corrected that? And even if I'm right, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. For me to be right in that moment has just taken the power away from someone else and made them feel small for no reason but for being right.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: it just doesn't matter.
1: No, that really resonates with me because, um, but that 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 story I, I love that story that i think it's in uh, how to win friends and influence people
0: it is that's it's how to win um, exactly right. People.
1: i remember reading that Good. story uh, because i was very much like you and i still am to some degree where i have this need to be right or want to make sure that people are saying something correctly or whatever and then like you coming to that realization i think like is is my desire and my need to be right worth it in this effort and 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 even if you badgered and convince the other person that you are right uh, another phrase that i i think i heard from probably brian tracy or someone like that is like a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still right so if you badger it down someone's throat they're still going to think what they think anyway and i think yeah. it's important and actually one of my uh this goes on to a separate topic altogether but relationship advice but one of the best bits of relationship advice that i can give to people that i used to think of in a relationship is that um would i rather be right or in love That was my relationship advice, right? Because I remember thinking (laughs) like when I was in a relationship um, and I would see a a partner and she'd be like chopping onions, not in the best way that you can possibly chop onions. And I would stop and and I literally, the reason I give this example, because I remember where I was when this happened. And then that story or a version of it jumped into my head. And I thought to myself, is it important for me in this moment to like really teach her how to chop onions the right way? And uh, people will probably ask me that. What's the right way of chopping onions? And and I said to myself, like, look, I can either be right or in love. Right? Is it is it worth having a put an argument about this? Right? Is my yeah. need to be right so important all these times? And actually, I found that a lot recently as well. Is like, you know, you can try and put your your will and your ideas onto other people, but a if they're not ready to hear it it, it, it doesn't matter. But also, b what is it serving in that moment in that story that you were recounting? It was the ego of the person interruption 100%. maybe he came from a good place right he didn't want the people around the, the table getting them this idea about the bible or whatever else but when you insist upon insisting, then it becomes the ego because you're like no i need to show that i'm right and you're wrong but actually is it is it worth it and and that book actually was is quite interesting because um when i read it about 12 years ago um at that time i was going out with someone and i'd noticed after i read it and she, she, she was the kind of person that got on with lots and lots of people and everyone really loved her and everything else. And I noticed that everything that she did echoed in that book. So she always greeted people with a smile. She gave them a compliment. Yeah. She always asked questions. She never tends to argue. She did all of these sorts of things. And then I mentioned it to her once. And I said, you know what? I've noticed over the last few years you do a lot of these things. Uh, and she goes, oh, yeah, my mum gave me that book when I was like 12. And she'd read it and just... I, must I, I, it. I think it's impossible to
0: read that book and not take something away from it, <clears> either from someone you know. I think it was probably the book, and I read it probably five years ago, that, that started me on my coaching journey. And one of the things you talk about ego, one of the things I teach as a coach is you've got to leave ego at the door. It's not <clears> about me. And um, and that's something that... It's one of the, the best lessons I've learned. Uh, you're yeah. someone that probably had a lot of ego when I first read that book. And I think i have like to think I've left a lot of it at the door since then. Um, <clears> and we move and we, we mature and we, we grow and we, we change. Um, and the okay. person I was then isn't the person I am now, which is a nice thing. But that that book is probably the first book I read that starts to change my thinking.
1: Definitely one of the top ones I recommend um, for, for people. And it's worth rereading as well, a few times as well. Um, I, I recognise the time as well, we're running up on time. Yeah. Well, I was going to leave this for listeners to, to maybe go and watch um, at some point. And I can't remember if I've asked you this before, but we were talking about Social media and we're talking about how that like we are drawn to the negative and all these sorts of things but i was going to ask you and maybe suggest to the listeners if they haven't already have you watched the social dilemma on netflix i have yeah i've seen it that, that would be one that i would recommend uh yeah it's good not watched it to watch it just to understand a little bit more about um,
0: how people on mass can be convinced to to think a certain way yes yeah it's, yeah,
1: it's, 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 it's quite, quite scary yeah quite disturbing yeah so- I was going to mention
0: before we sign off. Then there was a, a, a story and I, I just found it because I've got it in my 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 coaching archives, and it's um it was written by someone called Mavis Karn K A R want to look it up. It's called The Secret. Um, but she was a head teacher, and she she wrote a story for. I'll say not small story. It's a letter. She wrote a letter to her kids and former children, former kids, and um it says that I've got a secret. To, I'll just read a bit of it. It goes on longer than this, but I picked a little excerpt just to finish off today's show, really, Um, because so I didn't know it was going to be there. I just just literally found it uh, in in my in my files. And it says, I have a secret to tell you, nobody meant to keep it from you. It's One of those things that's so obvious that people couldn't see it, like looking all over for the key that you have in your hand. And It goes on, but I'll read this a little bit for you here. It says, the only thing that can keep you from enjoying all that you already are is a thought. One thought, your thought, not someone else's thought, your thought. Whatever thought you are thinking at the moment, that feels more important to, to think than feeling grateful alive content joyful optimistic loving and at peace that's the only thing that's between you and happiness and it goes on if you want to find it it's called the secret but, Mavis Khan. but it's um it i think that's really powerful we talked a lot yeah. about thought you talk a lot about gratitude and the gratitude diaries and the and how that's really one of the, the key things you'd recommend people start to do um and i, I talked a little bit about the um the course to get the name uh, Simon, um Om, i think that, that mentioned it, it yeah, yeah it's impossible to feel unhappy and grateful at the same time but I think all of this is kind of tied in with with, with, with thinking. And when we look at social, which is where
1: this, this episode started with, right? Directing where your thoughts are going. That's the thing. That's the problem. We can,
0: every feeling lives in the shadow of a thought. So just be very conscious, that consciousness of, of the way that you're thinking about something that you see, something that you read, yeah. and, and be aware that if you change the way you think about what you're looking at, what you're reading, what you're perceiving, and um, you can change the way you feel about it and you don't have to or you know social doesn't have to be a negative you, know, you don't have to it doesn't have to be something that makes you feel negative or bad or sad or FOMO um, or take the advice of, that my wife's followed hasn't been on social for, for years now and which is JOMO which they uh, the joy of missing out which takes away that comparison that steals joy in the first place um I haven't quite followed the, the JOMO revolution yet there's a little bit of me that still suffers with that FOMO just don't want to miss that one thing uh,
1: my um my my parting quote for everyone as, as you were talking about that uh, from either Wayne Dyer or Zig Ziglar depending on who you look at it and um, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change
0: very right, nice there you go perfect place to almost finish the show however I need to mention I'm in my new space today but those on video I'm gonna lift this up I have my first standing
1: desk so wow. you've been standing I've been sitting tonight. I have
0: first ever first ever show I've done standing
1: up and it's different you know I feel bad I'm gonna stand now there we go I'm still so lucky you know, get little... It does feel different, doesn't Shadow it?
0: Right? Boxing. Shadow Shadowboxing. as we podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: Feel... And yeah. I, I apologise to people watching on video for this weird light that's coming off. It's my salt lamp that is uh, giving me this red glow because I... I don't like <laughs> lights in the evening and um the fact i'm not wearing glasses right now like to protect my eyes is is a is a a thing in People itself will get to know you well
0: harry and your many
1: gadgets and and weird, I think weird unfairly but the things that
0: you do are very different to most in an, an evening time with no blue emitting light whatsoever and uh, usually you wear red red sunglasses and all sorts right so
1: yeah uh, yeah yeah and i'm gonna go and put them on now i just didn't put them on um, for this show because it actually it was still light when we started um
0: And we should add, I'm going to mention this just before we go, last bit, is we're probably going to move the show to fortnightly episodes rather than weekly, just due to time commitments. Hopefully that's all right with everyone. The other shows I've got work really well on the fortnightly uh, process, If that's the same. Also, I'm in America next week, so uh, we can't record. So um, if you do miss an episode, or you think you've missed an episode, rather, you haven't, we're just going to be moving it to fortnightly from episode eight, I think, which is this one. So uh, yeah, that leaves us all to say, Harry, thank you. I'm in the States next week, buddy. I don't know if we can connect one on my way.
1: Where are you headed to?
0: Uh, going to Denver for the American Payroll Congress.
1: Are you going to have time? You should head up to Boulder. Boulder's about like half an hour away from Denver, isn't it? And I've always wanted... Yeah, it, should to... be, it should be really good. There's, there's loads of people to connect with out there. We like lot Boulder. Fun. Lots of outdoor activities. Yeah,
0: I think I love it. I love, it's just a yeah, chance to get away and, uh, and and meet some people that I connect with a lot on, on LinkedIn social platforms.
1: Are you going uh, solo? you going solo? No, I'm going
0: with uh, two guys I work with,
1: so yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Good. All right, well, have a good time. I'm... I'm uh, um am due a, a holiday to the states at some point soon i think uh austin might be on the cards because uh, one of my best mates uh, has moved there so uh, austin texas apparently is a is a good place to go place to be very nice
0: mm-hmm. all right buddy Wilson, we'll catch up probably stateside in a week or so and uh thanks everyone for listening keep sharing the show with all your friends colleagues we'll keep our listeners growing that'd be great and uh, we'll catch up with you all soon
1: all right take care everybody thanks for tuning in to the mindful past podcast with midday and harry kalimios
0: We hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable takeaways to support you on your own journey.
1: Please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable.
0: Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And in the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth journey.
1: Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Paths podcast dropping soon.